Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. It's back to school week. Uh, for Belton and Ray Peck. So that means many people are going back to school, obviously, but also going back to work and uh, vacation season is coming to a close. And uh, today we're going to talk about uh, what God uh, can do in us through school and work, how God wants to redeem this time, uh, this season that we're entering into. And so uh, I just uh, was kind of looking at jobs and studying jobs and different things about school and jobs this week. And what, what do you think as the most least stressful job out there? This is according to U.S. News and World Report. Anybody have any idea? Want to call something out? Least stressful job. Preaching? Yeah. <laughs> Take two, anybody else? (laughs) Street sweeper? Uh, I don't remember if that was on the list or not, but here it is. It was a diagnostic medical sonographer. Oh yeah, to doing sonograms on babies. I don't know, they said that's the most uh, least stressful job. What would you say is the most stressful job out there? Most stressful job? Preacher, Preacher, yeah. (laughs) It really all depends on the service. It's too much service time, all right? So I won't tell you where this one lands, but. Oh, first responders, that's on the list. That's a good one. It's a, no, not a teacher. That is on the list. Teacher's on the list. Most stressful job is enlisted military personnel. Yes, thank you guys. Thank you. For, come on, let's just honor them. Most dangerous job out there. Most dangerous job. Police officer? No, that's not the most dangerous. What was that? Military, that's a preacher, yeah. (laughs) You know what, I I went into this and I thought, I'll try this at the five (laughs) o'clock and then we'll see if I keep doing it for the other ones, so. Most dangerous job out there today is fishers and, for, and related fishing workers. Like that's crabbing and all the, the whole industry of fishing and everything else. And uh, right up next to that was loggers. Loggers was right there. And according to U.S. News and World Report, what's the best job? Uh, this includes good pay. It's challenging. Fits talents and gifts. It's not too stressful. Uh, So there is stress, but it's a good stress. There's room to advance, and there's a satisfying work-life balance. What's the best job out there today? Oh, grandparent. Wow. Oh, drop the mic. We're done with this. That's just... Best job out there today is software developer. I don't know, software developer. So, but hey, here's my question this weekend. What if you could turn any job into a great job? What if you could turn any job into a great job? I know a guy who tells uh, his kids and his friends and everybody says, just, just work any job until a great job comes along. Just don't, don't wait around for a great job. Come on, turn, turn your job into a great job. Let's work, let's work any job. What if you could turn any job into a great job? What if you could turn the school year into a great school year? Uh, so today we're going to talk about school and work. 
and how those two tools of school and work can help you uh, become more Christ-like, more like Christ. And often when we think about school and work, we just think about the earthly benefits, uh, how school and work help us learn and help us make money and help us uh, grow our career. But school and work are an integral part of your spiritual development. God wants to grow us spiritually, and our model for that is the character of Jesus Christ. Uh, this passage, we've looked at it the last few weeks, the, just here it is again, Romans eight twenty eight, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. What's that purpose? For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to what? Become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. We're growing to become like Christ. Someone came up to me a few weeks ago after preaching that and they said, oh, duh, that's why it's called Christian. Like, I'm a Christian, yes. And it's amazing for how many people that hasn't clicked yet. They'll say, I'm a Christian, but they haven't gotten that because I'm becoming more and more like Christ. It's why Jesus said, follow me, become like me, that we're invited to uh, grow in the character of Christ. And so uh, today we're going to look at three major things. How We're going to look at how God can use pressure and problems and difficult people at our school, at our work, uh, to help us become like Christ. Raise your hand if you are experiencing pressure or problems or difficult people at your work or at your school. Yeah, yeah, we all are. We all experience these things all the time. And becoming more like Christ is the thing that can help you. And a lot of people are looking for help with this in all the wrong places. But when we go to Jesus, he knows how to help you. Jesus can relate to exactly what you're going through. And we often forget this. For instance, Jesus, uh, Jesus knew what it was like to be tired. He knew what it was like to be very tired. For there were times where he'd been with too many people. He'd talked to too many people. He'd, he'd done so much traveling. He was just uh, done so much and he just had to get away from people. He had, Jesus dealt with frustration. Jesus had his motives question. Have you ever worked your tail off for something and given and sacrificed and at the end of it got zero gratitude? Jesus can relate to that. Have you ever worked your tail off for something and, and your motive got called into question? Jesus can relate to that. Jesus has been there. He was alone. He was attacked. He was uh, mistrusted. He was, he was a carpenter. He had customers. I'm sure if he was working with people, people then didn't always pay on time like they don't always pay on time now. He knew what it was like to deal with people and, and, and be disappointed that way. When we look at these things and these situations, we could say, well, you're Jesus. But he was in time and space, just like us, and he took on flesh and bone, just like us, and he knows uh, how we're feeling. There were times where he was abandoned and betrayed and abused. He was also applauded. He knew what it was like to have everyone turn his back, their back on him. He knew what it was like to be cheered for and be loved and be popular. So maybe you say, I'm not really dealing with too many of these things right now. Things are going pretty good, but I don't know how I can relate to Jesus because he was a meek and mild, humble 
servant. But if, if that's your season right now, Jesus would have, knew what it was like to ride into town and people chanting his name and singing out to him and pressing in on him. Jesus uh, hung out with all different kinds of people. He hung out with tough people. You know, Jesus was not getting a manicure every day. He was tough. He was a guy. He had a beard. It had food in it. Like he knew what that was like. Okay. So if you're in a line of work that you're dealing with different kinds of things, maybe you're in a line of work that you're dealing with large sums of money and you're moving stuff around and you're in meetings and it includes complexities and a lot of different ramifications and a lot of different things, Jesus can relate to that. Jesus can relate to the rich. Jesus created you. Hello, by the way. Jesus was found at parties at times with the richest guys in town. He's got nothing against rich people. Jesus can relate to the big things you're working on. He can relate to the mundane things that you're working on. Poorest of the poor, richest of the rich, ladies in the story, men in the story. He knows what you're going through. And God wants to show you how to redeem the pressures, the problems, the difficult people in your life uh, to help you grow in your purpose to become more Christ-like. So let's get to it. If you're taking notes, uh, how does God use pressure uh, to, to build into me and to build my character? Well, God uses pressure, if you're taking notes, to teach me responsibility. Now, I've asked for some help from some members of our congregation uh, this weekend. Uh, the, there are three people that are going to help me teach these uh, three points and three things. Uh, they also serve on what we call the dream team, the, the core of our church, the people that uh, make Rockbrook Church happen, and they serve in many different ways. So uh, would you all give a warm welcome to our first guest, uh, Alex Hall. All right, so hey, I'm Alex. I serve on the student dream team, and I'm a fifth and sixth grade math teacher at Oak Hill Day School. So you probably don't need me to tell you, but every job has its own pressures. Every grade and every class, they have their own pressures. Another word for these pressures is stress. We too often run from stress, but not all stress is bad. Stress can be beneficial if we use it to grow. Have you ever had to complete a task you didn't feel like doing? Have you ever had to take a test you didn't feel smart enough to take? I have. That pressure, <laughs> even though you didn't want to do those things, you were being responsible, even though you didn't feel it. That pressure, that stress, was building your character. Ephesians 5.15, live life then with a due sense of responsibility, not as people who do not know, understand the meaning of life, but as those who do. The more you understand this meaning of life, to become like Christ, the more responsible it makes you. Every school and every job are schools of responsibility. That's a big deal because responsibility is in decline. We never hear people talking about their responsibilities. We hear them talk about their rights. And the courts are clogged with people who say it's just not their fault. Personal responsibility is one of the biggest keys to a healthy life. Responsibility stretches us. It's the key to career success and schooling success. Every time we're given a responsibility, it's an opportunity to grow spiritually, emotionally, and personally. Christ was responsible. Here are some ways to develop responsibility. By keeping my promises. 
We should be careful with our promises. If we make a promise at school or work, we need to keep that promise. Psalm 15:4, God blesses those who keep their promises, even when it hurts. Are you a person who, when you say something will get done, it gets done, and people know it will get done? Here's another one. By meeting deadlines. The Bible says when we waste our employer's time, we're actually destroying part of their work. Proverbs 18.9. One who is slack in his work is a brother to the one who destroys. Another word for destroys there is sabotage. When we waste time, we're sabotaging the business. When we waste time, we're sabotaging the company and also ourselves. Another way to build responsibility is by working without supervision. Let's not work hard only when the boss is in. Let's not work hard only when the teacher's watching. Ephesians 6, 6 through 7. Don't work hard only when your master is watching and then shirk when he isn't looking. Work hard with gladness all the time, as though working for Christ, doing the will of God with all your hearts. He actually switches it here to say that we're not really working for our earthly bosses. We're working for Christ, our real boss. Whether our supervisor is watching or not really makes no difference. Christians should be known for not needing a supervisor because they work to their own initiative. They realize that they're representing Christ and God is the ultimate leader in their life. Luke 16.10 Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is with dishonest, or whoever is with dishonest with little, will, with very little, will also be dishonest with much. He's talking here specifically about being honest and having integrity. Who do we work for? That makes a big difference. If we're just working for the government, we might be irresponsible. If we're just working for a boss that we don't respect, we might not be as responsible and as honest. If we remember working for God, then that's when it's going to really matter. Here's another way to build responsibility, by controlling costs. The Bible also has something to say about this, and it's actually in the following verses in Luke 16. Luke 16, 11, and 12 says, So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? One of the greatest tests of our character is how we handle money. More specifically, how we handle other people's money. Will we accept ownership and treat other people's money like it's ours? God says, I will determine how much I bless your life based on how faithful you are with other people's money. Let's keep our promises, let's meet deadlines, work even when no one is watching, and handle money well. So the first thing is God uses pressure to build my responsibility. Let's keep taking notes. Number two, God uses problems to teach me character. God uses problems to teach me character. There are uh, no problem-free jobs. Have you noticed that? Just e- even in the, the, the least stressful jobs, there's still stress. It's still hard. It's, the, it's why they pay you to do it. I had 
I had a boss who'd say, you know, if this was all fun, you'd be paying me. And you know, if it was all good, you'd be paying me to be here. But no, he had to pay me to be there. There are no problem-free classrooms. There's no problem-free grades. There's no problem-free people. We all have problems in workplaces and schools, and God can use those problems to build our character and so I've asked uh, for help from someone else on this. Uh, would you please give a warm Rockbrook welcome to Hannah Jarvis. I'm Hannah Jarvis. I serve on the student ministry dream team and also uh, the small group leader dream team. Romans 5, 3 through 4. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. God is very interested in our character. When you sign up to become like Christ, it's, like, it's, like, it's a life of significance and fulfillment. It's also not a life of comfort and pampering. It will mean to bear a cross. For every problem at work and school, the question isn't, God, why is this happening to me? The better question to ask is, God, what do you want me to learn from this? Ask what, not why. What do you want me to work through? What value, what action, what are you preparing me for? God has allowed this problem into our life, so what does he want me to work on? While we're working on our job, God is working on us. While we're working on school, God is working on us. Did you know God can even use the temptations we face at school and work? God can even use the temptations in your life for good. It is not a sin to be tempted. It's a sin to give in to temptation, but not a sin to be tempted. Jesus was tempted, but he never gave in. And God can even use those temptations to build character. Temptation offers a choice. We can choose to do good or bad. When we choose to do bad, temptation harms us. But when we choose to do good, temptation grows us. We couldn't say we're an honest person unless we've been tempted to be dishonest. We can't say we're a responsible person unless we've had the temptation to be irresponsible. Every temptation that comes in our lives is an opportunity for growth. It's an opportunity to grow and develop strength of character. 1 Corinthians 10:13. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so you can endure. God says he will never allow more temptation on us than strength he's put in us. Sometimes problems at school and work are overwhelming, and we feel like we're going under. We may even feel like we're going to get swallowed up. What do we know when we get overwhelmed? Or what do we do when we get overwhelmed? We do what the Apostle Paul did when he was overwhelmed. 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 9. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely on God who raises the dead. Notice how many times this passage uses the word we. They did not face these challenges alone. There's two clear things we can do when we face problems. Number one, we can turn the problem over to God through prayer. Being overwhelmed is a good thing that can grow our character if it takes us to God in prayer. 
The second thing we need when we're overwhelmed is to number two, join a small group. We need a small group of people who will pray for us and encourage us when we're having a tough time at work and school. The Apostle Paul was strong in his faith, but even he couldn't make it alone. So let's trust God in our problems, turn the, turn the problem over to God through prayer, and turn to one another in support. Thanks, Hannah. God uses pressure to teach us responsibility. God uses problems to teach us character. And here's the third one. God uses people to teach me how to really love One of the most important skills that you're going to learn this year at school, this coming season at work, is how to get along with other people. This is so important to your faith and and your spiritual growth because life is all about learning how to love. Life is a laboratory in learning how to love. Why? Because God is love and he wants his children to grow to be like him. God says the most important thing to learn in life is not necessarily a skill for a job, but how to love other people like God loves them. So I've asked one of our church directors to help me teach this point. Uh, Would you please welcome uh, one more person? Welcome Matt Homering. Hi, Rockbrook family. Uh, I am Matt, as Pastor Ryland just mentioned, and I have the pleasure of serving on our Greeters Dream Team, and from time to time, I'm also adopted into the Ushers Team. Uh, during the week, I'm blessed to serve as a branch manager at a commercial real estate agency here in town. 1 Corinthians 16.4, do everything in love, no matter what kind of work. Whether you're an accountant, an astronaut, a driver, or a ditch digger, a student, a teacher, or even a secret agent. We we are to do all of our work in love. Let me ask you a personal question. Why do you do what you do? You might say, well, I just put food on the table. But there's a better reason than that. Why do you go to school? You might say, well, no one ever gave me an option. (laughs) But there is a reason. You could use the most mundane job to grow in character. Why do you do what you do? The highest motivation for any kind of work is love. When you do anything in love, that pleases God. You can pick up garbage to the glory of God. You can clean a hotel room for the glory of God, and you can be a project manager for the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 14, 1. Let love be your highest goal. Sometimes we do the right thing for the wrong motivation, but God is more interested in why you do what you do than he is in actually what you do. Whatever we do, We are to do all our work in love. When you stay at the same work year after year, you learn how to do that out of love. Love for God and love for people. Love is the ultimate motivation. Love is what keeps you going when you feel like giving up. Work motivated by love keeps you going. Would we all agree that at work we have to deal with all kinds of people? 
Would we all agree that some people are really hard to love? I wonder how many of us have to work with somebody that we just don't like. If we're going to grow up spiritually, it means we're going to have to learn to love those people. If we're not becoming more and more loving, we're not growing spiritually. Love is the fruit of spiritual growth. It's that simple. I will confess to you that I'm not a loving person by nature, but neither are you. By nature, we are selfish and self-centered. Unless someone teaches us to be loving, we grow up selfish. God teaches us lessons in loving, and one of the ways he does this at work and at school. How does he do this? By putting people around us who are the exact opposite of us. (laughs) They irritate us. They are heavenly sandpaper. (laughs) It's easy to love people who are lovely, but God loves the unlovely, and he teaches us to do the same. We have to learn to love people who see life the exact opposite of us. It's easy to love people just like us, but he teaches us to love those who seem unlovable. Now, how are we going to love the people at our jobs or at school who are difficult and hard to love? The people who are rude and make unrealistic demands. The people who are dishonest and simply can't be trusted. The people who complain and are constantly negative. How about the people who get offended easily? Or those who are constantly critical and disrespectful? How do we love these people? The Bible tells us in Romans 12, 16 through 18, to live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. God's expectation to show love to others is realistic enough to know that there are people that you can't be at peace with. But if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, some people you can't be at peace with, but we are to do our best. Love is difficult. It may mean a difficult conversation, It may mean hard work of reconciliation. It may mean holding someone accountable. And it may mean some consequences. It also may mean boundaries. It also may mean showing grace when it doesn't make sense to anyone else. It may mean showing grace to someone when it may offend someone. Why should we make an effort to become like Jesus at our school and our jobs, let me give you two reasons. The first reason is because God is going to evaluate our work one day. 1 Corinthians 3.13, on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. 
God is reminding us that he is watching. Sometimes we think no one cares or no one is noticing. God is watching, God cares, God notices, and God is grateful. Another reason we should make an effort to love at our jobs and in our schools is because God is going to give eternal rewards for whatever is done in love. So let's learn how to really love. Thank you, Matt. Let's pray together. Well, this has been a very practical message because we all have to work or go to school in different seasons of our lives. And we might feel like it's fruitless or worthless or just, just putting bread on the table. Yet, God, we know that you want to use even our work to grow our character. Help us to realize that all work matters to you. You want us to learn responsibility. You want us to grow in character. You want to help us to learn how to really love. Lord, we want, it, want you to use the opportunities ahead of us to show your love to others. We want to be known as loving people. If you've never invited Christ into your life, if, if you don't have him to live for, would you just ask him now, God, come into my life, fill me with your love. I want to show other people love, but I need you to fill me with your love. God, remove the fear, remove the regrets, remove the shame, remove the insecurities with your spirit of love. I want to follow you all the rest of my life. I want to trust you with my life. I humbly ask this in your name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.